Bam. How y'all doing out there? So I guess by now you figured out that I didn't record an episode last week. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, there's a lot going on right now. Um, and uh, just throughout, right, the nation, uh, our society, our cities. And I just felt like after yet another mass shooting uh, within a week and, and just with other things lining up, I had an episode lined up, but then that person couldn't make it. They were sick. Um, I had family members that were sick. I just said, you know what? We need to pull back and just just chill. Um, and I think that's important, especially given all the things that are going on. Like I've said this over and over again, you know, the fight is still on. We are not, we are by no means in a space where we can just ease up off the gas. Um, and at the same time that comes with self care and being able to look back at the stuff that we're already doing. I think part of the the temptation is to keep going and to keep doing more and more and more. Western society has taught us well that we need to just keep putting more product out there. And last week I just decided let's just stop. Um, and a lot has transpired since then. And I'm going to get into that in this episode, but I just wanted to just say, Hey, it's, you know, it's good to take a break and good to pause. And we may be doing more of that you know, here in season five, there's, this is a new era that we're in. So I think it's important. So I'm sure y'all understand that and uh, get that. And, um, you know, we got to keep moving forward and taking care of ourselves. All right, fam, let's hit it. This profane faith. You, 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 you give us a hard time for being white and being American and being in control. I did more for our black population than anybody other than Abraham Lincoln, okay? And nobody's even close. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. It's our God, Jesus Christ, has turned the tables on you. Amen. Victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. I bet he can't wait to go home and be, become a black man again. This is Profane Faith a podcast that engages faith on the margins, faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Well, 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 here we are, here we are. Well, welcome back, folks, to Profane Faith. Uh, you know, as always, this is your boy, Dan White Hodge. And um, yeah, I'm sure you heard the introduction. Um, I wanted to, you know, put this out there because a couple of things have transpired um, since the last time we were on. And um, I just wanted to bring those, you know, to the true listeners' attention and, you know, just let you know what's going on. I think... Um, I think in, you know, conjunction with all the things that have been happening, right, the two mass shootings, um, you know, our Asian American Pacific Islander community and fam has been, you know, it just been, you know, taking the brunt of uh, a lot of this racism and whatnot. And 
you know, to that, I think, you know, I, it, you know, my initial reaction was as an educator, right? It's like, well, let's educate people about this, right? Let me go and reach out to some people that I know. Let's put a show together, you know, let's, let's do something. But then I was like, all right, let me stop. Um, because I think it's, again, I think it's so easy to hop right back into, you know, to just pick up. It's like our media cycle, right? It's like, you know, every nine days, right? We shift into something new and then we just forget. We just forget. And sometimes it's even less than that, depending on how big the, the situation is. Um, and I think, you know, it's so it's 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 such a disservice to whatever it is that we're trying to focus on. Things just move way too quick and life is much too complicated to sit around and think that, you know, now we're on to something new um and i refuse to partake in you know that type of media cycle and you know it's the nature of the beast though right it's the yin and the yang within the podcast world it's like you know i want to keep episodes going because i want to maintain an audience but at the same time i also want to live out what i'm preaching so that was on that front um and you know the, so that was happening on that end then we got the second mass killing um and all the factors that go into that, right? You know, the fact that they take white men into custody, you know, unarmed or unharmed, excuse me, uh, folks that have, you know, clearly killed folks. Clearly, you know, they're armed, but yet the police know how to take them into custody. Uh, whereas, you know, you have other black men, you know, black women, uh, BIPOC, trans, LGBTQ black folk, you know, who are being killed. Um, you know, I'm sure some of y'all have already heard about the brother in Dallas, right? That was you know, got pulled over, taken to jail for some so some weed um, and was killed. And, you know, while in lockup, um, you know, just bullshit like that, that just continues to happen. And then you see these white boys that go and shoot up places. Right. And they get treated like saints, really having a bad day there. Um, you know, uh, they are, you know, they're, you know, they're they're humanized and that all those things come with that. Along with that, I want to, um, you know, I want to welcome all my uh, some haters on this as well. I want to welcome those who are listening, you know, just to listen to, to gather ammunition. Um, over the last uh, few weeks, uh, I would put on the professor watch list. And um, for those of you who want to know that, I'm not going to tag anybody in this. I don't want to give them any more platform than uh, they already have. Uh, but, you know, just Google Professor Watchlist and it'll pop up. Your boy's on there. But I'm in good company, right? I'm with, you know, Angela Davis and Cornell West and, and Thea Butler, uh, folks like that, right, who are doing some great work. And, uh, you know, they obviously put on this list, you know, from ultra-right groups that are out there, ultra-right conservative groups, I'm sure, you know, uh, you know, the hate that I have continued to experience and the racism that I've continued to experience at the organization that I'm at. Um, I'm sure that person or persons, uh, you know, took it to another level um, and, you know, reported that. And so, you know, it was the comments that I made on, you know, Rush Limbaugh that I was happy that, you know, that the, the brother was dead. And, uh, you know, I, hey, I said what I said. And, um, you know, a couple things with that, you know, because again, I'm, you know, I don't apologize for what I said. I, I said exactly what I meant to say, um, you know, but one, number one, uh, you know, I don't, I don't scare easy. Um, that's number one. Number two, um, hopefully it broadens the user base. Hopefully somebody will get some knowledge of a brother. You know, if you actually listen to the context of the way things are being said, I think what's interesting about the professor watch list is that it's filled with a lot of ethnic minorities, a lot of women, 
very rarely do you see a white person on there. And most of these organizations, uh, like that Professor Watch list, that's also connected to like, you know, the 1776 Project and all the BS like that, right? You know, the stuff that this reformed white history that is trying to get pushed down uh, our educational throats. Um, you know, these are run by white folks. Um, and that just, that needs to be your first signal, right? White men, white cis hetero men um, that are running things. And I know I'm not saying that all white cis hetero men are evil or the devil. I'm simply saying that it's usually a red flag if you're thinking about inclusivity, which I hope you are. I hope all of us are in all that we're doing. As an educator, I think high on who I have in my reading list. Is it diverse? Is it from uh, a diverse group of scholars, right? Um, is it just not the same old, same old? Um, so that happened, right? And so, you know, um, I'm not even going to put a link to my my site. I was actually thinking about, you know, you know, making some levity of it and, uh, you know, putting it on my website. But it's like, I don't, I don't want to give them any, any foot traffic. What I will link you to uh, is uh, my colleague, uh, Dr. Anthea Butler, she uh, posted just last summer because she got put on the list. And it's a nice little thread in Twitter, on Twitter, um, about this whole process that happens because uh, she's obviously on that list as well. Um, and I'll post that in the show notes. Uh, so you can take a look at that, um, you know, because this group, you know, they're strategic in the way they do it. They, you know, they get a hold of you early in the morning. I think this email came in at two. I was sent an email basically saying, hey, do you care to comment on this? Um, by no means do I ever comment on anybody like that. I always do my homework. If it's an email, I don't know if it sounds suspicious. So, you know, I Googled this, uh, the guy who was emailing me uh, and, uh, you know, quickly found out, you know, of course, he's connected to these groups and, you know, right wing groups and stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm too done. So, um, you know, I blocked as many of them as I could. I would suggest you as you would as you will as well. Um, again, I'll post these links in the show notes, whitehodgepodcast.com. The guy's name was Ben Larrabee. Um, and I'm putting it out there because you sent me the email. If you listening, Ben. Um, and so, you know, my name. So I want people to know your name as well. So I blocked you as well. So just so you know, uh, blocked your organization. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think these are the things, though, that a lot of POC have experienced. Like I said in the introduction, we are in a different era. This era that we're in right now is, is all about a facade. What can I get the, 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 the public to believe? You have to remember that the public in general, when it comes to mass belief, is very ignorant right? It's the reason why you can still have debates and, you know, they're a minute and a half long that people, you know, talk and people still believe that. I'm not believing that mess, right? I told you before on this, like, I don't watch debate shows because I'm just like, they're all dumb. I don't care if it's the Republican or the Democrats or liberals. I don't, I don't want to hear it. Like, we're actually going to debate about something. I actually want to have a hearty discussion, not just give me 30 seconds to talk about, right? redline housing and, you know, discriminatory practices and policing, right? I don't want, you know, a minute and a half of that. I actually want an actual debate, but that's the mass public, right? That's what folks fall for. So that has been contorted and manipulated. Uh, social media doesn't help, right? Uh, you know, and whatnot. And then you have the, the very real factor that having my faculty webpage up on a site like this, right? These ultra right wing, you know, sites, then gives credence, right? Because white men in general don't tend to deal with 
adversity very well, right? Um, they're pissed off about something. If they got something that they got some grievance, they don't just go go and have you know um, a verbal disagreement. They you know they bring their guns, right? Uh, that's historically happening, right? Um, and so that you know that definitely you know puts another layer on this. But again, this is stuff that POCs have been dealing with for a very long time. Um, so I'm this is nothing new. Um, for some of you, it may be kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Right. But this just falls in line. It's the same bullshit that happened with Twitter, right? Last year when I got booted off, right? When they were like, oh, well, you know, this is hate speech. We all know it's not hate speech, but some bot, some algorithm, something, you know, clicked that said it was. And so there and here I am in the same position. And I'll be honest, I have, I'm leaning more towards a hate rather than the love in that relationship towards social media. Um, I've debated, gone back and forth about just closing all of my accounts. Um, I've talked to more and more people who have or have pulled away from social media. And, um, and those folks who have felt a relief, a burden lifted off of them. Um, social media is not helpful. It's not. Um, yes, there's a connectory uh, aspect to it. There's an information uh, aspect connected to it. Um, there is a sense of being able to, you know, talk to relatives and, you know, but here's the thing. So many people get their news through social media, you know, Twitter, so uh, Facebook there. These are not news outlets. They're entertainment sites. Um, so that right there is a major red flag right because then that opens up the door as we saw in 2016 right that we can now create websites and places that look like legitimate journalistic you know spaces but aren't and you know i'm not going to rehash what has already been put out there uh in regards to you know how truth is bended but we are in an era that uh, truth is no longer, you know, the matter of looking at statistics, right? For example, COVID vaccines, right? There's a whole bunch of BS in all communities, not just the white QAnon folks, but also black folks, right? I got, you know, plenty of, of folks who say, man, I don't know about that vaccine. I don't know. There's people getting killed. When in reality, you have literally less than out of 75 million people. I think this was on the, uh, the Moderna one, uh, vaccine. They were saying like out of 75 million people who've already taken it, you know, less than 0.0001% have died. But the one story, right. That talks about the person who died is like beat down to a pulp, right? So you see the problem then with that, right? It's like you have the actual number of people who have died, which is a risk, but there's always a risk with that. Even freaking Tylenol puts on there that there are risks, right? Um, and, and and here's the thing. I'm not trying to tell you to get the, the vaccine or not. I'm, I'm not here to tell you. You got to make that own decision on yourself. Do you do your research? Check it out. Do it on your own. But I will say um, that... This is just an example of how truth and how facts can actually get blurred and people will repeat this same story over and over and over. It's, it's no different than what Reagan did when he called black women welfare queens, right? You know, the image of a black woman on welfare being father, you know, have not having a father for her kids. I mean, that is a trope pathological ideology that has been stamped in the imagination of the American population for a long time. Right. And it, it, it adds to these kind of social stereotypes that we have. And it's important to keep digging. And I'll be honest, I, you know, I'm I, I, I will be the first to be like, oh, man, did I retweet that? Is that is that something I should have retweeted? 
right? And knowing where your news comes from. All these things are important, y'all. <laughs> All these things are relative to where we find ourselves in this era. Uh, and I struggle. I just be honest. I struggle. I, I get that this is a podcast and those are like the thing right now. And I love doing this. That's the thing. I love doing my podcast. Um, I like putting this mess out there um, and mess. I say that, you know, pejoratively, of course. But, uh, you know, the reality of it is, is that sound clips like what I'm talking about right now can be taken, can be manipulated, can be put out there. And it's very easy to get caught up. And that was one of the reasons even while Trump was president. Yes, he's an idiot. Yes, he's an asshole. Yes, he's a racist. OK, I said it. But let me make sure that what we're retweeting about him is actually accurate. <laughs> right. Uh, and I want to I want to make sure because it was so easy to blow things out of proportion. And right. And this is just again, just kind of it's really we've entered a, 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 an era of paparazzi Um, And it's not just about the photos, but it's about let me just get this one soundbite. And that ties into the guest that I'm going to bring on that I'm having a conversation with today. Um and you know the work that he's doing as well uh and i said at the beginning of this season that i wanted to talk a little bit more about you know social media and its effects on people and its effects on us i mean i know people who are legitimately stressed and depressed because you know going on their social media feeds right i mean you have to ask yourself right right what is your mental health condition when you go on social media does it actually make you feel better you know, I know for me, it brings up a lot of like old high school shit, right? Like, why are they retweeting that person, right? All that popularity BS that I don't even want to engage with, but it comes up again. And so for me, I've tried to pull back a lot. Um, and this, you know, being on this professor watch list is just another confirmation that, you know, um, it's very easy again to, you know, to, to, to get taken out of context now again in the situation like this you know people can do what they do i i've always supported the you know first amendment free speech right like you know if they want to put a website together that's great but we're in an era it's like when some white person calls the cop on a six-year-old y'all heard about this story right uh for picking tulips and that kid then gets arrested like why would the hell would you call the cops knowing right knowing what police Right. Engagement with black folks and black bodies mean in this day and age. Why would you do that? Yeah, exactly. So I'm I I bring these things up because uh, I do. I, I do. I wrestle with them. And, you know, and again, to the haters, you know, um, that are out there listening. I'm glad you're listening. Hopefully you've made it this far. Right. <laughs> That's great. If you have hope you listen to uh, my conversation here with Brother Craig here. I'm about to introduce him here in a second. Um, but I think that's just the time that we live in and I'm not going to be censored. Um, and at the same time, I realize that it's, you know, I also work in, in, in a contentious context, being in, in, involved in Christian spaces always involves, right. The threat of your job being lost or, you know, people coming at you because you believe and think a certain way. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, again, the time that we live in is very contentious and it's very nefarious and it, it's boiled down to sound bites. And I'm just not a person of sound bites. Like, yes, let's let's get, engage with that. But let's also dig deeper and investigate. Hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> I think Brother Craig is going to break some stuff down here. Um, 
which, it, you know, it's great to have him finally on the show. I have known Craig for well over 20 years. Um, we met uh, through a mutual friend in Young Life, Don Finch, uh, who's out in uh, L.A. Love the work that she's doing. She is committed to the work that she does with young people. Uh, even when she got booted and ousted by Young Life and just done dirty by Young Life, uh, she is still committed to do doing the work of working with young people, you know, in in spaces. And I'm, I'm I would love to get her on the show as well. I, I would definitely reach out, reach back out to her. I've reached out to her before, but we got to just set up a time. Um, but we met uh, through her and uh, we've been friends ever since. Um, Craig is a film writer uh, He's a scholar, he's a professor He's an amazing speaker He has some amazing books that are out there I Gods being one of them that we're going to talk about And Selfies, if you haven't read either one of those books I'll put those books in the show notes Please go check them out They're relatively inexpensive to buy uh, And they contain a wealth of material In fact, in the field of communication Right now, there's a whole subfield Being created looking at technology, discourse, language, media, and how all those things affect. In fact, one of my colleagues at the school right now, she's finishing up her PhD at UIC uh, on this on this specific topic, right? And so it's something that we have to begin to look at because as we move into this next decade, it's only going to get worse. And if we don't have good critical thinking skills, good ways of breaking through the bs right uh and siphoning this material and really having strong analytical tools it's going to be very easy to get caught up in things especially the closer we move to ai right artificial intelligence the closer we move uh to photos being more and more manipulated right when you think about that we think we can get closer to uh photos like for example you know we now have the the, the technology to create a video with somebody in a video that looks like a particular person, but isn't, right? Um, and then it will make you think that that person's doing something when they're really not. That's that's already happening now. And that for me scares me because I'm like, again, the mass public is not that smart. And it's like, if they can believe that, I remember seeing this on like 24 back in the day and thinking, oh wow, that's fancy, <laughs> oh my. You know, I think when somebody uh, made it look like Jack had killed somebody, Jack Bauer, right? Um, and it really wasn't him, but it was because they were able to do this fancy editing um, in there. Uh, and it made it look like him. We now have the technology to do that, right? So some crazy things that we'll be able to do. Um, and I wanted to bring Craig on to talk a little bit about that, his life. Um, I think it's uh, a little dirty the way he's been done uh, by a couple of different schools uh, and because he is amazing at what he does. He is the work that he does uh, is particularly great between the lines of theology and culture, particularly the way he interpret films and faith. Uh, I took his class in the spring of 2003. I remember it, man, and it blew my mind. Um, I was like, wow, that, that, that was the first time I started really looking at how film and faith overlap and it really helped me begin to build my own tool set to interpret media, to, to, to break down certain things. So like I said, his two books, I gods and selfies are amazing. Um, and I just wanted to get him on the show. So enjoyed this conversation to all the haters. Hey man, hope you're listening this long, learn something. Learn something from a person of color rather than critiquing them. 
<laughs> right? Look at you, just little sorry self over here trying to hate on a brother and the good work we doing. All right, y'all. Much love to the fam, though. Y'all take care. Stay safe. Enjoy this conversation. Um, any questions before we officially get started? No, I mean, I, some things I've thought about, you know, I, I thought, well, the Grammys are coming up, the, 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 uh, Oscars are coming up, you know, so some yes. of those things are on my mind Yes. Uh, as far as timely, but you know, then I'm also interested in whatever, you know, <laughs> the suppression of voting or vote, voter rights, you know, I mean, it's, it's endless, endless. <laughs> It just doesn't stop. No, it doesn't seem to stop, man. I think that's, and that's what I've always appreciated about your wit and insight, man. It's like you've been able to synthesize aspects of this society and culture in ways that, you know, I mean, I, I'll speak for myself, but I know there are plenty of others, man. That's helped me just, you know, see some things. And, you know, I still use, you know, those type of practices, you know, in, in the classroom today. And, you know, thank, thankfully, I didn't make it on too many big lists before before the tenure happened. But uh, I, I'm right. I'm definitely definitely on a, on a few. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think it's a top ten list. Yeah, no, it's 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 not a Letterman top ten ten <laughs> list, man. Oh man! Well, thanks for taking the time coming out and and doing your thing, brother. I know you' busy and 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 hooking it up. Um. For those who don't know what's been going on from birth to now, what to, how did uh, Dr. Craig Detweiler become a Dr. Craig Detweiler? I would say accidentally. <laughs> uh, yeah. My, my, I was working as a screenwriter, and uh, my wife thought I was going a little bit crazy with the uh, voices in my head, you know, in terms of just, uh, like, characters kicking around. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. like, you need to get out of the house. You need to go be with some real people and not just with some, you know, some fictional, uh, you know, characters you're moving around on a chessboard in your in your mind or on your computer screen. And so I started teaching uh, really just to to um, have some interaction. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so I would go one day a week to the Los Angeles Film Studies Center, which was uh, for these students from around America who, who maybe their school didn't have a big enough uh, program. Like a, they didn't have a film program. Maybe they had a communication program or something. Yeah. They didn't quite into filmmaking. We partner with so, them, our department. We sent a couple students there usually once a year or so. Yeah. So, so I started meeting these students, really sharp students from around the country um, who were coming like a lot were coming from the Midwest and coming to Hollywood and I thoroughly enjoyed the process of like walking them through, you know, 14, 15 weeks of, you know, film history. I taught a class on like film and culture and tried to help them understand like each decade how film maybe opened up certain things. Yeah. And so I basically I discovered that I really enjoyed teaching. And, and so once you discover you enjoy teaching, then it's like, well, I might need some accreditation in here. And so uh, that's where the Ph.D., track came from it's like if you're going to teach you maybe need to you know uh get, a, get the union card if you will. <laughs> so, right so that's what that's what the phd was for me 
Man, and that's and that's very similar to what I I I know that when I started grad school, I thought, you know, maybe I do some teaching and 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 you know, but I can you know I can always teach at the community college level with a master's and. Boy, folks was like, nah, man, if you're going to go it, you got to you got to go all the way, man. I little little did I know, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> what the academy would look like, um, especially now with where we're at, um, because I, I I love your 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 origin story, man. I know when you've given that talk on selfies and, uh, you know, technology and everything, I mean, you, you put this picture up, man. I was like, I've never seen that, Craig, with the uh, with the Mohawk and, uh, you know, the, <laughs> that was that was that was something else, brother. <laughs> well, you know, I, I came of age, uh, I was in college, like during the, the Reagan era. Yeah. And um, you had uh, characters on TV like Michael J. Fox, who were sort of the compliant kids, you know, rebelling against their hippie parents. Right. So yeah. it was sort of a conformity era. And I was not a conformity kind of kid. Uh, so <laughs> that's where. You know, that's where punk rock and new wave and hip hop all all came together really around the same time. And all were alternative ways of thinking and being and relating. Um, and 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 you, you couldn't find it really on mainstream radio. You yeah. couldn't find it on TV. You had to kind of seek it out. Uh, and so you would maybe give certain signs and symbols, you know, like so if you just had like a little button on your on your uh you know levi's jacket that yeah had a, you know, a little something on it that would tell people you know um you know that you were maybe not not with the mainstream program that you were a little alternative and then you know there were other ways of signs and signifiers whether that's haircuts you know mohawks safety pins i don't know whatever a, a, a punk <laughs> you know i mean i mean you know like if you think about it people don't realize the beastie boys started as uh as really a punk rock outfit yeah and then moved yeah. over right into mm -hmm. hip-hop and so the relationship between those two things um was always i guess pretty tight for me that's uh, that and that's interesting because you because you were born you were born in the carolinas though correct correct yeah yeah i grew up in charlotte north carolina okay okay and then i'm, I'm, I'm always curious like what how what made the jump from there and then la 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 land um, you know, I loved movies and it just never occurred to me that I could be involved with them. Okay. You know, like, because North Carolina is a long way from Hollywood. Um, but I had, uh, I had started, uh, taking classes when I was working with uh, young people, uh, in, in, through an organization called Young Life. I had started taking classes at Fuller Seminary, which was in Pasadena. And so California got on my radar because of that. Okay. And uh, so when I got married and it was kind of like, I, I want to, I kind of want to have an ease, I want to ease into marriage. I don't want to be like super stressed out. And so the idea of grad school in California, even just for a year, kind of was attractive to me. So we came out to California, not thinking like, this is the place and we're always going to live here the rest yeah. of our life. Yeah. But once I got to California and I met all these people in the film business, and I was like, man, they don't, I like, I like, the, I like movies more than you do. Like you kind of hate movies and you're in the <laughs> film business. <laughs> uh, I kind of love them. <clears throat> and so that's how, um, once I got to Fuller Seminary, I started meeting everybody who was working in Hollywood and, and got really interested and just thought maybe I could do that, you know? Yeah. And I mean, 
That's and that's I think that's fascinating because I know we met uh, it, through our connection, mutual you know relationship with uh, Don Finch. Um, she uh, she always had some connections to some really cool people. For minus the one brother that we took to camp that one time <laughs> had a complete <laughs> meltdown. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget that. It makes for good stories. There's always one. There's always, There's one. always one. There's always yeah. one. Um, so I mean, with that, because I know you know a few years after that, I ended up you know in grad school, and you know you were there. I remember. I remember I was actually taking my fuller tour, and I saw you, and you were like, "Man, I'm doing my PhD. Like, like come on, come on through, man. What?" What are some of the inner links for you uh, before we get into, you know, we can wade in the in the forefoot water. What are some of the links for you be, you know, between film and theology? I remember when I took your class, you were just like, all right, if you want jackass, <laughs> take my class. But if you want, uh, I don't forget even who you said, but, it was, you know, something, some milk toast cat, you know, take Johnston <laughs> for that. But that was a foundational course for me because it really began to make those connections between, you know, like memento and that I still use. I mean, that I still get into. So, like, I mean, for you, what are some of those those overlays, you know, um, and maybe, you know, even some of the you know newer films, you know, like you were talking about the Oscars and when we just had the the Emmys. No. Yes. I think uh, so. Grammys. 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 Yeah. Um, well, I guess I guess for me, I. A lot of people would say like things are popular because they're bad and i kind of actually assume things were usually popular because they were good okay all right <laughs> you know that it's like the things we love we don't love them because they're bad we love them because they're good and so i want to lean into like what is good about that that is drawing us right like what is that person bringing to the table that we might be missing you know what are they expressing that in a way that is more on point than that, than that we're not getting, yeah. you know? Um, and so for me, I, I, I looked, uh, I guess I would call it the upside okay. of, of film or, or music. Um, so as an example, you know, like in this year we got Oscar contenders like a Judas and the black Messiah and, and then, uh, you know, us versus Billy holiday. Yeah. And there, it's like, they're almost the same story in the sense of of FBI uh, with a racial grudge going after someone who's getting too much traction, you know? And I look at that and, and I just think, uh, why did these come out now? Yeah. <laughs> why, you know, why, why two years ago were, were, you know, creators thinking, seems like the, there's a times when the government is uh, going after people and using its power to oppress people. And they look at some historical, you know, whether it's it's Billie Holiday in the 1940s or, you know, Fred Hampton in the 1960s. Um, and you say, huh, you know, history can tend to to maybe not repeat, but certainly rhyme. Yeah. And pop culture is really good at rhyming. <laughs> yeah. Whether you're a uh, whether you're, a, you know, a, a filmmaker or a, um, a musician uh, those are the kinds of things you're going to try to pay attention to and say something's going on here. Um, I think even somebody like Andra Day, you know, playing Billie Holiday, it's like she changed her name uh, to Day after Lady Day, after mm. Billie Holiday. Mm -hmm. um, so even when she encountered her as a, a young woman in San Diego, 
going to a performing arts high school, she encounters Lady Day and Billie Holiday's music, and she's like, this is speaking to my heart. This is speaking to my soul. Right. I think never, you know, and takes on that name, Andra Day, as a way to honor Lady Day. I don't think when she's doing that, she's thinking, I'm going to play her on the big screen, right? There's no way. <laughs> right, right, right. But it's like that artist spoke so deeply into her soul, she was drawn to it in such a way that now, you know, like 15 years later, she's actually on screen, like channeling that Billie Holiday sound and energy and pain and pathos and beauty in super powerful ways. You right. Know? Like the film's kind of a mess, but the Billie Holiday performance is off the charts. Like she just inhabits that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely, man. And and and, and I'd be interested, man, I break down some of that critique cuz I think that's for me is is also a, a an important part of understanding film. Um I so wish that you and my my godson Davon, um I don't know if you ever met him. Um I think you might have. Um he used to come to California all the time and spend the summers with us. And uh, I mean this guy just loves film. I remember taking him to each of the schools USC and UCLA and I remember there was somebody giving a a lecture on the history of film. We just, you know, snuck in at UCLA. You know, we're in there for like 10 15 minutes and I'm like, "Oh man, this kid is like the look on his face." I was like, "This kid's just <laughs> bored to death." And I was like, "All right, man, we can go to the next thing." He's like, "Hold up, hold up. This is so interesting, man." And I'm like so into it just loving movies, man. But I like the critique and I think that's what helped me better understand like there were more mechanics that go into a film. It's not just a, oh, whether I liked it or not, but it's like, no, 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 let's look at the writing and the colors and the the texture of it. I mean, I don't know. I think of a film like Do the Right Thing and just, you know, which I still show in class and all the aesthetical features that Spike did in that movie. And that was, of course, back in the day before digital, right? That was still shot on film, man. I mean, that's... yeah. Well, and, and Spike's still doing it. I mean, I think The Five Bloods is really one of the best films of last year. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of under, it's overlooked, which I'm like, how can you be Spike Lee at his age and stage in this game and people are still overlooking you? And, <laughs> you know, it's like, do the right thing. Wasn't even, you know, he, he, he might have been nominated for uh, screenwriting, but the, the man didn't, he had to win an honorary Oscar. Like right. 30 years after the fact. You right. Because they couldn't get around to to, you know, to honor in that legacy. Um, but I, well, I, Spike is an interesting example, right? Because he and his cinematographer, I think it was Ernest Dickerson on uh, Do the Right Thing. You know, it's like, if he's gonna do a summer story about heat, he's gonna figure out how to show you that heat, how to, how to feel that sweat yeah. through the screen and yeah. kind of ratchet up that tension over the course of the film. Um, and then the other thing he was great at, I think was just also understanding music. You know, and understanding yeah. that the music is going to advance your story just as much, right? So if you've got a character like Radio Rahim, <clears throat> who everything is going to revolve around that boombox that's going to cause people to kind of blow up, um, then you need to figure out what he's playing on that boombox and how that, you know, matches his character and advances kind of the um, aggressive and progressive side of that story. And so, you know, for Spike Lee to put, uh, you know, Public Enemy... In, in that film to commission a, a, a song, you know, yeah. that becomes your seminal soundtrack. Right. Um, that's still booming. Yeah. Still booming. Yeah. This many years later. But but then I, I think of also what he does in, in uh, Defy Bloods with Marvin Gaye, where it's he's going to reach back. He's telling a historic story 
and he's going to use Marvin Gaye to get you back into that 60s, 70s time frame of Vietnam War. But then he's also going to get you deep inside that Marvin Gaye kind of musical prayer, right, mm. of God being love. And and do you hear Marvin? And are you are you on his wavelength, right? It's not yeah. just what's going on, but do you understand the way to get through what's going on, you know, to understand who your brother is, to understand who your sister is? Yeah. Um, those are power and those are powerful things. Right. And I mean, I think that is is helped. Again, I'll speak for myself, uh, you know, just to better to, to digest film, because I think as a just a consumer, right, it's like, you know, as a kid, I'm just going to the big blockbusters. I just want to go see, OK, what well, that's what's booming. OK, let me go see this new thing and stuff. I'm, you know, but, uh, you know, but again, getting into the, the the art of it. And I think that was was what was so fascinating. And then, of course, you know, of course, making those, you know, those spiritual overtones. I'm curious, though, what has kept you connected to some of these racial overtones, right? It's like, you know, yeah, I, I love the article that you sent me last night uh, from USA Today, you know, Wally Triplett, the first black draftee to play in the NFL and a letter that changed everything, right? What what has kept you connected, man, to issues of race? Because, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've worked enough around Hollywood. It's so easy to get just connected with what's happening, right, on one side of town and completely forget about what's going off in those other areas. Um, and every now and then you get a reminder like the 92 uprisings and people are like, oh my gosh, what's going on over there? But then it quickly fades, but you've maintained that connection with like race and ethnicity and, and kind of kept those tensions. And to the point of it kind of getting you in some trouble at, at times too, brother Craig. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, that, a little trouble is fine, right? There's, you know... John John Lewis made that clear. That's that's easy. Uh, you know, his kind of trouble cost him a way way more than my kind of trouble. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, we didn't have a word like allyship. Okay. When I started on this, you know, like it was just. I think for me, I, I think I just started finding more of my own salvation even in charlotte through literally crossing the tracks mm. through literally going to you know the other side of town i had to get in my car and and cross over the freeway <laughs> and suddenly i'm in another side of town and i i think people uh told me to be scared or something and instead it was like well i'm just finding people who are actually more open and more yeah. and more welcoming. I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing more hospitality. I'm experiencing, you know, the love of God in a, in a more refreshing way. Um, and even in terms of worship, you know, it was like, well, this worship seems open as opposed to this other thing that feels closed. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't go there, you know, you could say, well, I went, I crossed town to go help somebody, but I was going to help myself, mm. you know, in other words, just to, to understand that there is a bigger, wider uh not as white god on the other <laughs> side of town <laughs> that reflects maybe the, the 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 fullness we'll just say the fullness yeah of 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 god and the wonder of his uh people um and so i guess i guess i've always um I guess I've just always needed a, a, a check or a correction or an expansion mm -hmm. on my on my thinking or and my experience that was far too limited. I like that. 
I like that breakdown. What? So let, let's let's go a little deeper. And again, feel free to share as much as you want to, as little as you want to on this, man. But like places like Fuller, man, and, and I'll just share my frustration because I've shared this a lot. I mean, I think white evangelical spaces like that um, feel like they've paid just lip service, right, to all these things that we've all been talking about for years. I mean, the fact that we're having still having conversations at a place like Fuller, and it's not just Fuller. I mean, it's even the place I'm working at right now, right? But that we're still having the same conversation we was having 25 years ago. Oh, you know, this and that, you know, and you got Bill Pinnell. It's like they keep bringing Bill Pinnell up and stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like there's one black guy, right? Okay. Um, yeah. We'll name a center after him. But it's like we're, it's like it's still stuck. I mean, what, how do you, how do you see that, man? I mean, and, and really honestly, what was your experience like, man? Because it's like, I don't know. Like, why wouldn't somebody like Fuller hire Craig Detweiler to teach like theology and film and build that the shit out of that man and like develop the hell out of that. Uh, <clears throat> that's a good question. There's there's <laughs> there's about eight questions in there. Yeah, I, think, I, know, so. I know, I know. <laughs> but that's all right. Um, <laughs> the um, you know, it's it's weird. You know, at the time, you don't really realize how tokenism is working to check a box and to allow everybody to go no no look see we're on it like look right over there there's there's a black person right. can't be racist there's right. a black person right <laughs> and you just don't realize that a one-off is literally that it's just like a one-off it has nothing to do with overall equity power sharing um you know etc but i think that that's that's part of the deception that we allow ourselves as as white folks to just go well it's it's the classic like i got a black friend right you know? <laughs> right i can't be racist i've got a black friend you know it's like, <laughs> <laughs> um it's like i got a white i got a black professor right can't be a racist institution i right. got one right exactly know? exactly <laughs> um and uh I, I I don't know. It's uh, there's a there's definitely a bug. There's a there's a bug in the in the in the in the machine in the learning. Um, and, and I think another thing is we just didn't have enough of the uh, what should we say the histories and the systems that hadn't quite been documented enough to 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 get us to say you know you've been saying that same thing since like 1968 right <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like yeah by the fourth decade it's kind of like yeah i'm not sure that's going to cut it you know <laughs> right um but it's like somebody had to document those four decades and yeah. say yeah. you know that's i came here on this year and that's what you were saying and you're still saying the same thing and i'm looking around and nothing's changed Fundamentally, nothing's changed. Um, and that's true of all kinds of things. You know, that's true of the environmental movement. You know, it's like, that that ain't new. You know, Earth Day, first Earth Day was 50 years ago. You know, somebody's <laughs> like, ooh, might be a problem with the Earth, you know? Well, 50 years ago, they told us that. And we were just, <laughs> and you're just now waking up to that? You know? Yeah. So I don't know why we're super slow and super resistant to change, but uh, that's, why, that's why I called it a bug. You know, it's like... It's right there in front of us, but but we just we need somebody else to be bugging out, I guess, before we <laughs> before we wake up. Yeah, 
Yeah, I often wonder that too, just about, you know, the human species in general, right? It's like you gotta, I remember when I was an undergrad, I had another professor, Leslie McCallum, who we used to do a, a little activity, which I've, you know, since interpreted and, and moved into different stages of, of uh, <laughs> a performance, if you will, you know, in terms of learning exercises. And there was, and, and it was called the Power Carnival. And very long story short, it, it, in essence, it demonstrated exactly what you just got through talking about. It's like she demonstrated like the people who hold the power, right. Continue to keep the power. And even if you, you know, try to like disseminate it some way, you still don't want to give up that power. And then you, every now and then you get one person, you get a student. Like I had this happen one time when I was teaching at Citrus college, we were playing this game and one student stood up and was just like, this is bullshit, man. Why are we playing this game? This is stupid, man. And again, she, prepared me for that and so you like immediately shut down that student you take them outside and shut them down now when you're outside i explain the game like hey man thanks for playing along but now guess what you can't go back inside uh and tell everybody because you figured out the game and she related those to like people like martin luther king and malcolm x like people who stand mm. up and say we ain't taking this no more but then society takes them out in the hallway and essentially kills mm. them uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. and hands yeah. down every time that's happened I come back into the classroom as an authority figure, the class is completely compliant. <laughs> Even if that student breaks their silence, he's a complete. So how have you navigated some of those things, man? Because you've been, yeah. I mean, when I first met you, you was doing the part-time thing. And I think you was doing some film stuff, you know, and then you, then, you know, then you went to another school. Um, how, how did all that break down, man? And then you went to another school to be a president <laughs> And then that shit got got all jackified, man. What? I mean, again, I'm not trying to name names, but I'm just I'm just curious because your experience is 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 very interesting. Especially, I think you know a lot of times people think, oh, white men, and I do think the white males have privilege. Don't get me wrong, white cis males. But I also want to know, you know, your experience as somebody who's kind of been in that fight for a while. Yeah, there's well. <laughs> There's been so many weird examples. Uh, I remember I was sitting on a, uh, I was on a diversity committee uh, one time where we're supposed to be helping students uh, who, you know, like trying to figure out how do you bring diversity, not just within the classroom, you know, in the faculty, but also how do we help students of color who might be dealing with, you know, all kinds of racism or microaggressions for sure in the classroom. And they came, these students came to our committee had a bunch of, uh, you know, complaints and, and problems and just said like, hey, could we get some uh, diversity training and some sensitivity training for your faculty, particularly a lot of your older faculty who just think everything hasn't, nothing's changed. Yeah. And um, and it was like the diversity committee was just like listening to them and it was all these faculty and colleagues and they were just like patting them on the head. And I was mm. like, you're not listening to them. You're just allowing them to say something to you thinking you're going to do something. And it was really frustrating to me. And so I just said to the students, like, you understand nothing will change here unless you get into some legal stuff. Yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta threaten some stuff. And I got in so much trouble for telling them the truth from within the diversity committee, right? <laughs> the, the committee like outed me as problematic on up the chain, you know, oh, to man. provost, president, suddenly everybody knew, oh, you got a problematic faculty person over here who just told the students how to affect real change on campus. He's not <laughs> supposed to do that. <laughs> oh, man. 
<clears throat> and it was like, if the diversity committee isn't going to help the diverse students get to the other side of mm -hmm. this, who's going to? You were actually created for that. You were commissioned for that. That's in your charter. And you're going to and you're actually going to just prop up and cover for the administration like that's crazy. Crazy. That is crazy. That is crazy. I Oh, oh man. And and cuz you've taught obviously you've you've taught at a couple of different places, man. When you were at the other school, um uh, that you were at on, you know, on in uh, out in the the Malibu area. We, what would you? Because you were in the media and film, or was it yeah. just with media stuff? Okay, okay, yeah. Um, and you know, I, like, what was that like? And what was the genesis for you to to want to you know take a presidency? If you don't mind me asking. <laughs> uh, the, uh, well, once you. What should I say? Once you you may be hired by one person yeah. who has a, a certain uh, uh, hopes for the university and and sees certain possibilities. Oh yeah. And and if though if that person changes, retires, and somebody else comes in and they don't share that, <laughs> right? Then you know it's like, well, I'm not sure why I'm here because you're now trying to undo everything that I was hired to do, right? Oh man. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you can swim upstream on that, but really, what's the point? Right. 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 Because you don't want what I'm bringing. Right. So, uh, you know, I mean, that was an interesting situation. I mean, at one point, we had the the uh, directors of Bruce Almighty and Braveheart <laughs> teaching our students for oh, free on what? campus. For free? For free. So then it became a problem that they were teaching for free. <laughs> well, I tell you, people like, just we got... Need, we need to pay them, you know, make them accountable. And they were like, I don't need the money. I don't want the money. Right. No, no you have to take the money, you know? Um. <laughs> people just find a problem for anything, man. Are you serious? Two directors, big directors. You can't get bigger at the time, right? The, the, the biggest comedy, the biggest comedy made by... A person of faith of all time, Bruce Almighty, right? About us playing God, right? And then the biggest action, you know, history piece of all time, you know, every every Christian would say, man, that was amazing. Right. Right. Is like right. self-sacrifice William Wallace right. and Braveheart. Right. <laughs> so we got the two biggest on the planet, um, and that became a problem, you know, because uh, one was giving away uh, bicycles to students, so that was a problem. Uh they brought pizza to class, and then they, the, the the pizzas weren't taken care of. There were pe too many pizza boxes in the trash. Get out of here, man. way too much pizza to students, <laughs> oh, you know? <laughs> no. Say it ain't so, Brother Craig. Say it ain't so, man. <laughs> so, you know, if you're going to find a problem, you're going to find a problem. You know? Absolutely. It's like saying, these lights are too bright, and then you replace them. It's like, oh, they're just too dim. I can't stand this shit, man. Oh, put some bright lights in here. Uh, what? So, because I remember you interviewing the director. Uh, so this was back. I remember we all drove out. This was probably one of the best quarters I ever had. You know, I think you know at Fuller. This was spring of two thousand three, and um, you were teaching a course on I think faith and culture. 
And uh, you, there was that coalition that used to exist. I don't think it exists anymore. It was like Christians in. They used to meet at Hollywood Press. It was Christians in the in the like in the industry. In, intermission. intermission. There you go. There. You, yes. Yes. Yeah. And you were interviewing the director for for Bruce Almighty, man. I was and I was impressed because I was just like, oh, I, I I thought this was just another Bruce Carey. Just you know, he's just gonna make some faces and you know and some money and stuff. But it was like, oh wait, there is more to the story going on here and stuff, man. That's right. That's right. Well, this is what, you know, this is what I think people, um, you know, rarely realize is how many, how many uh, really talented, gifted uh, people of faith and conscience there may be um, who are working behind the scenes and seeding their films with, I think, some really great, deep, ultimate questions. <clears throat> you know, whether that's Bruce Almighty, um, whether that's this year would have been Minari, right? A film yeah. that's you know, about uh, the American dream and how hard it is to achieve it and uh, and what it takes to endure. And, you know, uh, Lee Isaac Chung, who directed that film, I actually, he was looking for, uh, interested in possibly, you know, going into teaching because he had had some films made, but he was like, hey, I got a kid, I need some health care. And so I brought him up. And introduced him to the provost, and I was like, "This is the this is the future of film. This 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 kid is great. You know, it's like he's a Korean American uh, Christian, you know, who has deep artistic instincts." And they were just like, "I don't see it. You know, <laughs> he's quiet. He's uh, you know, uh, seems like he's an introvert. You know, I don't see him as a teacher." And I'm like, "Well, there's a lot of Asian uh, uh, American Christians who might see him as a role model, you know, rather than as quiet." Um, they were not interested. And then, wow. of course, this year, right, he's won now a Golden Globe. He's going to get some Oscar nominations in another few weeks. Um, and Minari is amazing, you know. And Lee Isaac Chung is is, is fabulous. So there have always been incredible uh, leaders uh, in Hollywood uh, who are operating as, as Jesus followers and willing to do really interesting, fun, and subversive stuff with that. But it doesn't mean audiences and particularly maybe people of, of faith are ready necessarily to receive it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think that, I mean, especially coming out of the, the fundamentalist background that I was in, I think that was, I know for me, you know, the big eye opener, right? That Hollywood could actually possess, you know, something spiritual and sacred. I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, because and and I get that there are some there are a lot of people still there. Right. I mean, it's just like when I've been asked to well not anymore but when I got asked to do like workshops and stuff for different Christian conferences I remember one time I I did something and I didn't know it was Lifeway who was sponsoring it and they were like pissed because I was showing you know the the scene from Batman and 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 I was you know the Dark Knight and stuff I mean I, I guess I have to yeah. qualify because there's so many damn Batmans um, you know, the dark, the dark night and they were like pissed and people, were, you know, and I appreciated the leadership because this rarely happens, but it's like, you know, they were like, well, do you want to respond? And I was like, hell no, I ain't going to respond. And I'm like, you know, no, that usually doesn't happen. Right. It's like, you usually get called yeah. to the principal's office and you got to defend your shit. Um, what? Okay. So, and, and cause I feel what you're saying about, I was hired at the current institution you know, under a completely different provost, like three provosts to go. <laughs> um, yep. And I feel exactly what you're saying, that everything that you're undoing is exactly why I was hired, to, you know, to, 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 to not do. Um, 
But, yo, yet, you know, here we are. I mean, how do you see the state of Academy, you know, right now? I mean, it's like you've got the pandemic that hit. Um, and this, I, I think part of this ties into your research with selfies, um, eye gods, because I definitely want to talk a little bit about that because that stuff, the more we see about that, right, and the more we see, right, like Facebook is now like, you know, it's like the devil incarnate in Facebook and stuff, man. Um, how do you see all that stuff? Because I feel like the pandemic ushered in shit that was already going to be happening, but it just brought it here like 10 years sooner or whatever. Oh, stuff, yeah. Man. Serious acceleration. Yeah. Well, higher ed is definitely in free fall. Yeah. It's just free fall. And uh, I don't think it knows how far or how fast it's going to fall. Um, <clears throat> because students were already kind of like, I think I can get the information I need off of YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Which is really annoying, you know, that you've got like a generation of kids who got their history from somebody like John Green on, <laughs> on, on YouTube, you know. Right. But it's not bad information. Right. And it's like in a video and they can actually, you know, speed the video up and get it as fast as they want, you know. Um, and so this democratization of information uh, that has come from uh you know, from social media and from technology, um, is it is a revolution. Now, um, the need for discernment, right, and for being wise about what it is, those where those sources are, that's also never been more important. So, media education, yeah, I think is 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 obviously very important. We we that's where the 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 disinformation distributed through Facebook or or Twitter, right, is is staggering in its in its uh, ability to undermine basic core truths, right? So we're in an, I would say we're in an epistemological uh, uh, freefall right now, yeah. right? Where people aren't quite sure where is the baseline for what is true, is good, where is that going to come back? Um, and, and certainly colleges could be part of that, but I don't think they've grappled with the fact that the delivery system has been so disrupted, <laughs> right? right? That your authority as as the arbiter of that truth is really, really under deep questioning, particularly when, say, your admissions process is revealed to be just up for sale to the highest bidder. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, you you speaking? You speaking? How did how did you know what was happening over here? What, what good night? Well, I do live in Southern California, so USC had a scandal every week, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> scandal of the week, man. Well, you just open up the LA Times and be like, oh, what's this week, you know? So. I, so it's One student told me, this was at the beginning of the fall semester, he was like, you know, he said, I know everybody's tripping off of this, people who are older than me and professors, he said, but honestly, this is like, this is my home turf. Like, y'all are now on my home court. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It's sort of like experts, you know, it's like that that credentialing, quote unquote, that I needed as a for a PhD or a doctorate. It's like, well, <clears throat> John Green, you know, was a best selling author who decided I'm gonna I'm gonna teach some history online. You know, it's like he didn't need any accreditation to reach millions of people. Um and really the people voted with their feet, you know. So yeah. is it is it good information and is it delivered in a way that I can process it at the speed and with the complexity that I want? Um, and if it's not, if it's doled out over 15 weeks, like a little spoonful at a time, and it's just so slow and pedantic, and I could just go watch a 15 minute video and get your entire class, 
then you're going to have a hard time getting me to pay, you know, five grand, 10 grand, whatever that might be. Once you do the per unit cost on that. Class. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. I mean, how do you, what do you see changing? I mean, let's just break it down. Cause I got, I know this is in your, your area, your wheelhouse and you know, the stuff that you've talked about and, um, and in particular, even I cause I was first than selfies. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even the stuff you talking about in I is like, Shit that we're just, you know, we're, people are just starting to face <laughs> now. <laughs> <coughs> well, yeah, it was obvious to me that, like, I don't know, what, like 70% of everything I do, not just online, but almost in life, was filtered through my Apple phone, through a Google search, <laughs> you know, through a Facebook social media feed, and delivered by Amazon. Into my house. (laughs) So it was like, okay, that's the big four. And everybody else is just is just cleaning up some crumbs after them. And I don't still think we quite grasped that it's like, well, yeah, they're a ten billion dollar company, you know, in 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 five years or eight years or whatever. And we didn't realize that if you're a ten billion dollar company today, you're probably gonna be a hundred billion dollar company in like 60 minutes, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like people just didn't understand like the economies of scale and the monopoly, you know, right. like with Amazon, people didn't even understand that it's like, no, 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 don't you understand? Like when you're buying from Target online, it's actually just Amazon's web services that put up that website for them. Yeah. So they're going to take a piece of every transaction that, that Target's making. They don't understand when you watch Netflix, that's Amazon's web services who created that platform for Netflix. AWS. So you're still paying Amazon. Yeah. Even though this week is supposed to be the boycott Amazon week. <laughs> you can't boycott it. <laughs> yeah. Every Amazon. time you click anywhere, they're getting oh. paid. Oh, man. Amazon's like, go ahead and boycott. Where are you going to? You going to Home Depot? Oh, okay. All right. You go- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Walmart. Now Walmart's starting to look like a saint. people going to walmart like oh damn let me go to walmart man at least at least they you know they pay their employees you know five dollars an hour you know (laughs) (laughs) try to stick it to the man by going to walmart right that's a i've forgotten about amazon web services that that keeps popping up and and you know like that you know and how monopolized that really is right they built it they built it. They built it all. All the all the e-commerce is their commerce. Right, right. Because I remember again. I remember when Amazon started. I mean, you and I are both old enough, right, to remember like when Amazon right. started. Because here's the other thing. I feel like it. This is just for my own. Just you know, I mean, this might be anecdotal, or whatever. But I feel like there's a, a loss of history that happens. My daughter grew up in 2006, and I kid you not. Well, she was born in 2006, but you know, she. I kid you not. When the first time she saw a phone outside, she was like, what is that? <laughs> why is the phone outside? And why is it broke? <laughs> right? Why is there rust and crap all over it? So, but it's it's like there's so much information. I feel like it's, it's people don't, you know, for her, Amazon's always existed. YouTube's always existed. Twitter's always been there. TikTok, it, all of them, right? So how, I mean, how do we navigate some of those things and the beast that some of these things have become, because I think I feel like people are just finding out about even some of the algorithms that are used to keep us online. 
Right. Right. <clears throat> well, I think that's, I, I wrote, I got, it's not necessarily as a, um, like I've got the answer, but just, uh, do you realize, <laughs> right? Do you realize <clears throat> that there's a filter bubble around you that when you click on, you know, this group or you, when you like this thing, they got the file on you. Right. Right. And so, you know, like suddenly people suddenly were like, why is, you know, I searched for a, you know, a, a new mattress yesterday over on this website. Why is Facebook feeding me mattresses today? You know, <laughs> it's like, we just didn't understand that. It's like, no, no, you're the digital footprint never leaves you. Right. You know, it's always on and it's tracing your footsteps, you know? Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, I do feel like kids, uh, what should we say? The next generation will be smart enough to figure out when and how they want to shield or filter their information. But I think to some degree, because there is so much information, they're actually happy for these uh, titans to filter it for them, right? So they, they're sort of like, well, if you can just give me the best mattresses, then uh, I'll be grateful because then I don't have to do some massive online search. So it's sort of, um, <clears throat> it's like they built this new world and they created the roads uh, that we have to travel on. And they are, they just get paid for maintaining the roads, you know? Yeah. Um, and we just didn't even realize like, but those roads, it's kind of done, right? Like right. It's just, there's only about five roads and, and it's only about five people who own them. Um, <laughs> we just didn't quite realize that. <laughs> right. You know? and, the, and the government doesn't own any of it, right? It's all private. Right. Um, That's the other side of it. That's yeah. a movie, man. Um. Well, so, so I mean, and I feel like they're not even hiding. I feel like, like, for example, was it this last week, Walgreens and CVS announced we're going to be opening up all kinds of places to do vaccinations. But, oh, by the way, we're going to be taking all your information for marketing. So, <laughs> they ain't even hiding that shit anymore, man. Right, right. <laughs> right. Well, this is why this is why it's an interesting time where your privacy uh, is is your own currency and you just have to decide who you want to sell it to and at what price. You know, I mean, we just didn't, people didn't realize that when the, when the services are free, yeah, that we are the product. <laughs> they just didn't realize that Facebook made money off of selling us, right? Yeah. And we still don't, right? When, when there's some game about like, oh, you know, click on what your favorite things when you were five years old were. We don't realize that that game is actually just a marketing scam for them to know how old you are and what your demographic is. Right. You know? Right. Um, or in, in, you know, facial recognition software, too. I mean, it's like when all these apps that come out or the trend that say, hey, take a picture and then you can see how old you are going to look when you're 92 or whatever. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know, man. People are calibrating a lot of shit with that right exactly. now. But then we also see that, you know, the racialization within that, because how many coders, right? It's like people think, oh, well, math is unbiased. Sure, yeah. it's root element, but who's programming it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, well, this is this is the this is what the new power. I mean, this is uh, that's why I wrote the book. Again, it's just to simply say, did you realize? Think yeah. about this. Yeah. Right. There are large implications. Um, <clears throat> artificial intelligence uh, was still programmed by somebody. Right. You know, and uh, and if that's going to decide, you know, uh, where I get my breakfast then I'm, I might want to think twice before I eat <laughs> because did I choose that or was that assigned to me well, because of some pre-existing things? And, and that's exactly. We'll say, what I think is interesting is because, you know, China, a lot of folks, you know, don't know. I mean, China is like on the heels of the U.S. in terms of technology. And there's not all the 
standard American things of, oh, you can't do that with embryos. China says, hey, we, we going in on this shit. Like, for example, credit reports. Credit reports are now done by AI. I'm sure you knew this. And one of the factors that goes into that, right, is how often do you charge your battery on your phone or your device? And if it's not enough, you it actually puts you in a category of, eh, you're probably not going to pay your bills either because you don't keep your phone charged <laughs> enough. And that all happens like that. The, all yes. that data and information. How do you see the future, brother? I mean, you're a film director. And I, you know, I don't mean to go all Blade Runner on you, but, you know, it's just like, <laughs> I, I, I'm curious, like, how you see, are we going to Children of Minute? Are we going to, you know, Terminator? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do just spend your time around sci-fi, it can get pretty chilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because I'm like, where, where's the hopeful sci-fi? You know, it's, right. like, it's been a long time since Star Trek. Right, you know? right. Um, every time you watch something, it's like, hmm, that's pretty scary. Yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty sobering. Um, <clears throat> um, well, even, even uh, The Matrix, you know, by the end of The Matrix, we hated that series because it was like, Seems like they just made peace with the machines. Ugh, I don't want to do that, you know? Right, um, right. Um, but that may be the most we can hope for if we don't kind of get in front of the systems that we're building. And uh, so I think to raise those ethical questions, I'm part of a group called AI and Faith. Oh, It's based in Seattle. Okay. Uh, and it's a combination of, you know, technologists working for Amazon and Microsoft and researchers, you know, working for Paul Allen's, you know, brain research group. Um, as well as academics. And we're just at least trying to raise the ethical questions and say, okay, the technology may change the speed and the kind of questions, but the notions of what is a human and what matters and how does it mean to treat each other <clears throat> decently? Um, what does it mean to have, uh, uh, to aspire towards equity? Um, those things aren't going to change. Yeah. You know, the playing field, the playing field may change. Um, I just saw yesterday there's a new novel uh, coming out of Japan that uh, it's written from the <laughs> standpoint of the AI best friend. Okay. So that's the lead character. It's sort of like the, the best friend worrying about her human and how's my human doing. Interesting. You know? And and so getting into the psychology of the machine as it tries to assess us. Um, <clears throat> you know, that's some that's some good imaginative work that I think actually makes you start to think about these machines and how we're programming them. Right. Uh, so I don't want to say I'm, I, I'm not hopeless because I, I believe in our kids that they're super sharp and, and that they want to thrive and they want to, you know, save the planet and preserve the species. Yeah. But um, I would say hope remains in pretty short supply based on the urgency of the hour at hand. What would you make? This is good. And I think this kind of this hit me as you were talking, because I was like, I feel like this goes back to our previous conversation of the bug in the system. Like, it's like we we can see what needs to happen. We can see what needs to be done. Right. It's like we can see that it's not normal for late February to be 60 degrees in Chicago. Right. And one week you literally have four feet of snow. And the following week, I'm not making this up, brother Craig. Right. It's melting away. Yes. <laughs> um, but will that come together? I guess 
what what do you make then of the Trump era? Because I feel like 2016 changed everything, not just racial politics that like we've we've discussed that, but also how we take in information. I feel like we've gotten to a place now that we and not I feel this is from what I've stuff that I've read and just my own research as well. Um, the conclusion I've come to is that we've lost a, a baseline for truth, a baseline mm. for facts. Um, because your facts are your facts, my facts are my facts, and then it becomes all relative. Like, you know, that like the whole QAnon thing. It's like, oh, Trump is still fighting for us right now, and you know, these Democrats are, you know, sacrificing babies. And you think, oh, that's some stupid shit. But then you got millions of people who are just like, yeah, let's rush the Capitol. But you go back to the science of it, and the marketing people and the social media managers for Trump's campaign were dare I say genius in how they created with the help of Russia, a narrative in there. I don't, I, I don't know if you want to talk to that man or speak to that. Cause I know you were following that stuff. Um, well, that's where a movie like Memento I think is really helpful because Memento is, is really about the lengths we will go to, mm. to lie mm. to ourselves. Come on to preserve uh, our way of perceiving the world. Wow. Um, and so it's, it's, it's the depth of, of our self self-deception, you know, Woo. um, how, how, what, what, how much, what, what kind of apparatus, how big a story wow. will we tell ourselves Yeah. for the sake of preserving, uh, the, the bubble that we want to live inside. Woo. Um, and I, I guess I've seen that's a pretty pretty damn big bubble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a, uh. that is a complex bubble. Um, I have to say I certainly underestimated, or or I had way too much faith uh, in humanity to recognize uh, the previous president as a dinosaur of a certain era that was dying. Um, I, I was, I, I didn't fear him enough. I, I understood he was a d dinosaur of a certain vintage and I understood that there, it was heading towards a kind of extinction. And I understood that in, in heading towards extinction, it decided to, rather than to kind of slither off and die quietly, decided to take down as many people and, and systems with it as possible. Right. Um, and so that's on me for having a little too much faith in people to 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 wake up to that kind of a beast and realize what was what was up. Um, but that's where that's where I bring that self deception uh, thing in that we would prefer the comfort of our own fictions to uh, the hard truths that may be revealed in the light of day. Um, and that we would prefer to burn something down before we would care to share it. Mm. Those are some really scary, deep, painful truths about the, the human, human beings. Um, that I guess my, I, our kids now understand. And I think that's why they maybe are a little bit depressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, because I do. I mean, I and I'm sure every parent thinks about this or most parents, I should say, what the future is going to hold for their kids. I know my mom talked about that. 
Um, you know, my grandmother, she lived to 91, born in 1918. And so, you know, her coming from really the dirt, I remember asking her about like, what was it like to live through the great depression? And she's just like, it, nothing. I mean, we were living like that already. So it really didn't even affect us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> People of color were already in the murk. So it's just like, welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> um, and I don't know, man. I, I, I guess I'm just I, I try to get my head around that and and, and and think because A, I feel like there's talk, right? When you think about AI, you know, there's talk about, you know, obviously exploring exoplanets, because I also dabble with some some astronomy stuff, but of course we can't figure out the 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 journey, you know, just to even get to Alpha Centauri would, you know, at the current technology, right, would take us thousands of years. However, we could emboss our identity or our being into some kind of a robot that could live that long so that when we show up there we can actually start a new i mean so these are some of the things right that and this is coming off of nasa this is i'm not this is enough of the what is it the, that netflix series the the black knight no is it the black knight or the, the uh, dark mirror dark mirror there we go dark yeah. mirror black mirror like, right <laughs> that this isn't coming off like this is stuff that Scientists at NASA are talking about right now about putting, you know, figuring out how do we create, uh, you know, basically a, a cyborg. Um, and then it's interesting too, like even with CRISPR and the the amount. Of, this is what I show my my media and family students that you can order a, a, a DNA editing kit for under three hundred dollars off the internet right now, right, and create. Whatever the hell you want to create. If you want your dog to have big blue balls, you can have your dog to have big blue balls. <laughs> you can, like, seriously, the guy that they were showing, this dog was huge. Thing looked like a gorilla. <laughs> and they're just ordinary people. And it was one guy, there was one guy who did have the PhD who said, I want to democratize this. This science should not be in the hands of just scientists. We should democratize it all. <laughs> Which, right, I mean, of course, that opens up the door. You know, that's like Pandora's box. How do, I yep. mean, as, as a person of faith, brother, I mean, and, and how, I mean, what, what do you think about with, with, our, with our kids, you know, going, go, going into that? Um, I can hear Slavos Isaac, you know, in the back of my mind talking about, see, this is what I'm talking about. You know, the machine and, and we're, we're, we've succumbed to the machine. And I don't know, man. I mean, and, and, and so I'm just, I'm just trying to, to rationalize some of those things. And maybe it's just my, my late 40s almost 50 mind trying to conceptualize what it's going to look like when I get ready to retire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> well, this is where, <clears throat> I guess this is where I am. I have no choice, but to kind of trust our kids yeah, and to hope that we're creating enough of a uh, ethical framework rooted in ancient wisdom about, um, what should we say? Maybe choosing things that are for better for the good of all mm -hmm. than for the profit of a few. Okay. And I, I think that the, <clears throat> what should we say, by deifying aspects of the marketplace and believing that, uh, that greed is good, uh, we have, um, it's like people realize that Wall Street, that that was intended as a satire. Right. You weren't supposed to believe that he was actually the villain. Like you were supposed to understand that Michael Douglas was the villain right. in Wall Street. And unfortunately, about the time it finished, everybody was like, mm, I really like that Michael Douglas. Right. Some things here. Right. Right. 
And so we've gone down this um, path of just uh, if I can build it and I can make a profit, then it's justified. Um, And so we're going to have to have enough of the next generation blow the whistle and say, no, no, actually, you can't rape the land and you can't rape the people on your staff and um, and you can't rape the country. Um, You know, we have to have enough people literally who stand up and say, no, no. No, because we're actually assigned to a different kind of stewardship. Right. Right. A different kind of caretaking. Right. Um, a different understanding even of, of our calling in Genesis. Right. Um, you know, it's like the, <clears throat> you know, the, the what is what does it mean, right, to to care for creation as opposed to exploit creation? Yeah. Uh, we, we actually just have to redefine those terms. We've got to do better biblical work on understanding uh, what is our basic job? Uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. And I think that's part of where I'm trying to put my hope in. Like you said, the next generation, our kids, um, what that looks like. Um, I, it sort of feels like, you know, we're going to cycle through. Like, hopefully there'll be enough people, like you said, in five or six years to be like, hell no, nah, we we need to just put a, just a cog in the wheel and let's just stop. Like, I love that line in Interstellar. Um I'm forgetting the dad's name, who the the character who played him, uh, not Matthew McConaughey, but um, the guy who was his father-in-law. Um, was it Michael Caine? Michael Caine? No, not Michael Caine. It was uh, well, John was a Lithgow. Scientist. Yeah. Who said, you know, when I was alive, you know, it seemed like every day there was something new that they were making, and you know, it was like eight billion people wanted that, and it's like now you're back to the rudimentary basics, right? It's like, we got to survive as a species. <laughs> we we got to get this corn and hopefully it doesn't have the blight in it, right? Like, I love Interstellar. I mean, I know people have their issues with it, but I, I love the way Nolan puts his his films together. And again, the person you think, oh, this is supposed to be the best of humanity. Matt Damon is his character. And he's like, no, he's the one trying to shift everybody, leave them on the planet and get home. Um <laughs> I think what gets me it too, and I know our time is nine, man. I, I could talk with you for hours, man, about this type of shit. But it, it, I think what gets me is, is for example, like on Twitter, and I've shared this story a lot, but I wanted to come back to it. It was like, you know, over the summer I tweeted, you know, because Lecrae was doing some stupid shit as he always does. And I was like, hey, bruh, you know, uh, pull your shit together, right? And and uh, my friend, Shanika Walker-Barnes, who I, I think you know, I think you know her. Mm-hmm. She was, she yeah. put this amazing, like, thread together about that whole incident and whatnot, and then ended her, her thread was like, hey, tell him to buy my book. I replied to that saying, tell that Negro to also buy my book, comma, shit. And then there was the link. That got cited as hate speech. And I'm trying to wrap my head around that. And but what happened was is because Lecrae has thousands of followers, you know, a few thousand of his followers literally went through anyone who disagreed with him and reported all of that shit. I wasn't the only one who got caught in that maze. But you see what I'm saying? The bots and the algorithms that are out there, all the ones responding, there's not a human sitting in front of that being like, oh, yeah, you're right. This isn't hate speech. I see the context here. This is just people. You see what I'm saying? It's like in, in getting yeah. caught in that net. And granted, I could delete it. But then, as they clearly say in the fine print, then that goes on your record. <laughs> and if another incident comes up, which I'm sure I will, because I, I can't always keep my mouth shut, um, 
then you can get like kicked off and banned and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I've been literally off Twitter since June 17th of 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 of, of last year. So I, I struggle, and I know that's one little incident. But I ask myself, what other areas, what other bugs like that are out there in the system? I think we're still discovering that. Yeah. Right. And it's like the the 2016 election revealed plenty and we still didn't quite understand it. And mm -hmm. so we did some revisions by the 2020 election and maybe it was a little less awful. And hopefully, maybe it'll be corrected even a little more by 2024. Um, I think that's the problem. And we'll say that technology moves faster than our ethical framework can keep up with it. Yeah. Um, and that's where it's like you just need to hold on for a few years, kind of blow the whistle a few times and just say, time out, hold on. <laughs> Can we slow down? Can you yeah. can you get your machine to catch up with reality and wisdom? You know, can you put a little more wisdom in that machine? Um, and wisdom takes time. Wisdom mm. takes time. It has, wisdom takes nuance. And uh, algorithms, are, you know, are binary, right? Yeah. There's zeros and ones. Yeah. So how do you make a wise uh, binary system? Tricky. You're Very right. tricky. Right. <laughs> um. When life isn't necessarily binary. Um, right. And I think that's kind of the overall struggle, I would say, mm -hmm. with the I-Gods. Uh, ones and O's are maybe not enough to capture the human experience mm. in, all of its, uh, in all of its complexity, uh, diversity, and wonder. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And I loved what you said about, you know, it's like a lot of those cats, they weren't even high tech themselves. They don't even use their product. <laughs> right. Oh man, the amount. Look, Steve, Steve Jobs. He he didn't he didn't have a bunch of iPads in front of his kids. He's like, no, I don't want my kids growing up in that stuff. You know, <laughs> I want them to have real toys and you know play outside. Oh. You know, I don't want them inside. You know, right. It's the like irony. buy my stuff, but I'm not going to use it. No, no. right. <laughs> the irony. The creator is like. Oh. The same thing with Google, man. All those those kids. The, the, you know. Uh, Larry, Larry, uh, you know, and, and Sergey, who invented it, Larry was a big um, Montessori kid, you know, which is all hands-on learning. It's right. all hands-on. And that's where his, his sense of play and wonder and inventiveness all came from. So, uh, you know, we got to figure out how to get some, some real tools in, in our kids' hands uh, and not just uh, be, be kind of under the delusion that if they don't know how to code, they're going to be left behind. It's right. good to know, right? But that's not the only intelligence in this world. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. I tell you, man, this is uh, this is fascinating stuff. Well, I'm for sure going to have to get you back on, man. Are you working on anything particular right now, man? What you, what you got going on? Where can, where can folks find Brother Craig D at? Uh, well, for now, I'm, I'm, I'm in all those social media places, you know, uh, you know, I only got uh, mostly almost for research. You know, I got into Instagram when I was writing a book called selfies about Instagram and, but I never, I never crossed over to Snapchat. That felt like, you know, crossing over too much into my kid's face. Right. Uh, but I'm on all the social medias. Um, and I'm working on a, a movie right now, um, a historical story uh, that happened uh, with a gentleman named Wally Triplett and uh, and the allies at Penn State who came around to him in 1947. 
Hmm. So hopefully, uh, maybe that'll be out. We'll see in 2022. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Are you doing the screenplay for that and and directing, or are you just like uh, like? Yeah, I'm working with. Uh, I'm working with a. Uh, yeah, I'm working with Camille Tucker, who Ooh. is a brilliant yes. screenwriter. Um, I had the honor of teaching her back in the day. Yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, it's like I'm grandpa on the project and, uh, you know, writing, writing, uh, the, uh, old white coaches speeches in the uh, screenplay while she's getting down into what it was like to be an African-American player in the 1940s. So we're a good combination. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. I, I'm I'm almost jealous, man. I'd love to be there, man. I'm out here in Chicago, man. I've I've, I've always well, that's that's one of my things on my bucket list. I want to I want to write uh, an actual movie. I mean, I've written some, but as I got, they're not produced. They're just in my closet. So that's beautiful, man. That's <laughs> there's beautiful. still time. There there's is still time for the, that, that third act. That third act, right? That's right. That's right. Well, brother, I really appreciate you taking the time and coming on. Like I said, man, I'm 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 gonna definitely you know make sure you you, you get back because I think we're just scratching the surface here on on things. Um, and you said you, now do you have a website, anything like that? You want me to put out there for for folks? I think my I think I actually have my own website. Believe it or not, my daughter built it for me. I'm so I'm CraigDetweiler.com out there somewhere in the big bad world. Love it, love it, I love it, I love it, man. I will put it's all good those. To have, it's good to have tech savvy kids, you know, who can, who can make you look good. That's right. That's right. My daughter says she does the videos really good, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get her to start editing my videos, man. So that's the thing. <laughs> well, thank you again, brother. I appreciate you taking this time. Absolutely. Keep up the great work. Keep telling. Uh, keep telling those hard truths. We still need them. Every single day. <laughs> oh man, brother! Thanks, man. I thanks. I'll uh, I'll 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 stick to it. I'll stick to it. <laughs>